This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And last week we began um, the ending portion of this series on the Sermon on the Mount as we started with the Beatitudes and we got as Jesus has worked his way through this Sermon on the Mount and we're coming to the conclusion. And so we have entitled this Matthew chapter 7, the summation of the matter. Matthew chapter 7, the summation of the matter. So last week, Matthew chapter 7, we started with the first couple of verses and we are doing a we are doing a verse by verse um, study of this and so it's taking us a little while to get through but again we are coming to a close in Matthew chapter 7 let's read verses 1 and 2 and the scripture reads judge not that ye be not judged For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So last week we started talking about this idea of judging, the idea of of judging. And I said here the scripture is, is starting and Jesus is starting out here in, in Matthew chapter 7 talking about the judgmental and the hypocritical attitude. He talks about our judgmental and our hypocritical attitude. And so we're going to pick up here. I'm not going to do, I'm going to do a brief, I'm going to do a, um, a brief review and we're going to do that review um, a little bit of a different way. Uh, but remember I said that in, cha- in verses 1 and 2, particularly in verse 1 as we start out, God is talking about judging. And so what I said was that in some regard, in some respect, we have to judge things, meaning we have to examine. But tonight I am going to uh, give us a little bit of a, a definition because there is a difference. There is a difference in judging and examining. There's a, there's a difference. Those are two different, two different things. Judging is different from examining. And so the, nowhere in the scripture have I found without the word not being somewhere close in the vicinity, nowhere have I found where it says uh, that men can judge. Every scripture that I see, it talks about God judging. It says, God will judge. He will judge. And that he is not me or you. So we have to, we have to, to, to understand what it is that God is speaking of and, and how he's laying this out for us. So in summary of this, uh, and, and let me just, let me, right now, let me just, let me just give you uh, a brief definition of, of those two things. Just a working definition. It's nothing out of the dictionary. It's nothing. It's, it's just what I have come up with. Uh, plain and simple, just so you can keep it straight, so we can keep this straight in our heads. Think about judging uh, and how judging goes naturally. Think about a judge in a courtroom, naturally. So the, the, the job of the judge and the task of the judge is number one is to interpret the law. The judge interprets the law. 
the law is given, the, the judge interprets the law. And then the judge, his next thing, next, next task that he is assigned to do, and his responsibility, is to sentence. So he, he judges, and in his judging, he interprets the law, and then he sentences. He sentences based on whether the person that is on trial, he sentenced them based on them being right or wrong, them being guilty or them being innocent. And that's the job. So judging usually includes interpreting the law and sentencing. Judging, plain and simple. It usually includes interpreting the law and sentencing. Examination, on the other hand, is different. Examination is usually a visual assessment. Remember last week I gave the, I gave the, the um, example about fruit, right? You go and buy fruit in the store or you pick fruit off of, of a tree. You examine the, the tree. You examine the fruit. Now, unless you're just talking to yourself, Right? Unless you're just talking to yourself, which I do that quite often. When you are examining something, you're not talking to anybody. You're not talking to the tree. You're not talking to the person. You are talking. You are examining. You are using your eyes. You are using your vision. You are just examining what you see. Examining what you see does not require any talking. It does not require any verbiage at all. You examine with your eyes. So it's usually a visual assessment, examination. It's a visual assessment, and it usually includes taking notes. So you go to your doctor. They give you an examination. Now, later he might, of course, he's going to have to tell you something. He's going to talk to you. But that him talking to you later is about correcting some things. It's about uh, 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 him telling you some things that's going to help you in your situation or just giving you information. It's more or less informational unless he has something, you know, something else to tell you. Most of the time after his examination, what, and what is he doing during his examination? Usually doing his examination or her examination, they're taking notes. They're examining you. They're assessing and they're taking notes. They may take notes on, on paper. They may take notes on their computers. They may, you know, everybody knew everything. Everything is, you know, and I made the mistake. I made the mistake of trying, of trying to share my paper notes. My paper notes. I, I made that mistake of trying to share them with uh, Minister Everhart earlier today. He said, I'm going to give you your piece of paper back because he had his electronic device. So usually, you know, these days, you know, we fancy. So, so your doctor may take notes. On his computer or his laptop or whatever else that he might. But he's not talking to you usually during that time. He's examining. He's using his eyes. He's using his instruments. He's examining and then he'll take some notes. And then later on, like I said, which is something else that's different, right? The examination is over. During his examination, they don't usually talk to you. Examination is over. And then once the examination is over, then he might or she might talk to you and say some things, give you uh, uh, an understanding or talk to you about what they have seen, what they have assessed. Again, for informational purposes, unless they have to do some correcting. And at times, they have to do some correcting. But for the most part, them talking to you afterwards, it's about giving you information, information that you don't know already. So those are the differences, that were the working definitions that we're going to use, the very plain and simple definitions that we're going to use for judging and examining, right? And so help, hopefully that will, that will help clear up some things in your mind as we, as we go forth in this teaching about judging. So in verse 1 again, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. So with that definition that I just gave you, it says, basically, interpret the law not. Basically, it's saying, sentence not. Okay? So, again, based on the simple definition that I gave you, this is what this is saying. So, by way of, 
by way of review, let's turn to let's turn to uh, James chapter four. We're going to start there in James chapter four. Please keep your ribbon, pen, something marker in Matthew chapter seven because we will definitely be going back there. But in James chapter four, we're going to review what we talked about last week in these terms. So remember what I said, that although God is saying, Jesus is saying uh, in his message to those, uh, the multitudes as he was teaching from the mountain, he was saying, do not judge, do not judge, but he was giving us a standard by which we should examine by which we should examine, visually assess, and take note of, take a mental note of, visually assess and take a mental note of things that are around us. Okay? So, James chapter 4, let's start reading at verse 11. And the scripture reads, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law. Verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? So here, again, going back to what we just talked about and, what, and, and the, 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 the definitions that I just gave you. He said to speak not evil of one another. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. So again, we're talking about here, he's talking about, number one, speaking evil of. And he's also talking about interpreting the law. Or, 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 or examining them and judging them with an interpretation of the law that was not necessarily given by God. And see, we can, we can do that. We can do that. So think about, we talked about last week about how we, uh, we think the worst of people. We talked about how we judge others without first considering our own, considering the circumstances that they're in, we talked about how we should not judge others and, and uh, that we should judge others in the same manner that we should want to be judged. And so, so think about all of those things. Think about when you try to put as a, you try to put, uh, um, more stricter, stricter guidelines, stricter, uh, concepts. And a lot of times we add those to what's al- to what God has already said. And there, listen, God does not need your interpretation of what He says. He doesn't need you adding anything to it. He doesn't need you taking anything away from it. What He said, He said. He said what He said. And so we 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 sometimes, and that's what this scripture is talking about in James chapter four. That a lot He says when we judge because we judge the law. Basically saying we judge the law. When we judge others, we're basically judging the law. How is that? How are we judging the law when we judge others? It's basically saying that, that what is laid out already, that's not good enough. Think about that. What's laid out already is not good enough. I have to add something to it. I have to take something away from it. In order to make it to fit the circumstance, the person, what I think, the stricter, the stricter the standards versus the leniency of the standard when we apply it to ourselves. Remember, I gave you the, we, we went to the scripture, we won't go there for the sake of time, we won't go there, but I gave you the scripture about, about Jesus going in uh, to the house, and they were talking about how washing, the washing of the hands, right? So, yes, we're supposed to be clean, but, but don't tie the washing of the hands to something that's righteous and holy, that's just going to make, that's a make or break, that's, you know, that's, that's a small and that's a minute thing. 
when it comes to in, or in relation to bigger things. He's talking, listen, he's not concerned about the washing of the hands as much as he is, as, as, as much as he is concerned about the washing of the heart. And so we try to put these little things, and so this is judging the standard. He's like, that's why he's talking about judge, when you judge, you judge the law. Because a lot of times when we're judging, we're trying to interpret the law based on someone else's circumstances and what they're doing. And then we try to sentence them. We try to sentence them. Oh, they're going to hell for that. Oh, they just, you know, that's just the ultimate. That's just the ultimate. And we put those types of strictness, we put those types of standards, we put those things on people when we don't want that done to us. We don't want, you don't want that done to you. When, 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 when folks are examining you, when folks, and, and, and again, people say, don't judge me, we don't want nobody judging us. We don't want nobody judging us, but we are so quick to judge others. And I hope I gave you that little assignment, that little extra assignment God, God gave to us last week uh, uh, in, to, to extend what our pastor had already done. So, so you did that. Now, now this week I want you to think about, think about the thoughts that you think of people. How we judge them in our minds. How we, how we judge them. And even the things that we say out of our mouths. Judging, judging others. There's a difference between judging and examining the judgmental attitudes that we might have, the hypocritical attitudes that we might have. So quickly we forget, so quickly we forget about the very things that we have done. And I'm not talking about the very things that we did last year or 10 years ago or or 15 years ago. I'm talking about the little things that you do right now. The shortcomings that we have. We're so quick to look at someone else's faults and look at someone else's shortcomings without considering the shortcomings that we have ourselves. And then we try to judge them. We try to put a standard on them. We try to interpret the law based on what they do. Try to interpret what, uh, the, the law based on, on those things that, that they are doing. When, they, the, when we have a beam in our own eyes, we try to sentence people. We try to, you know, we try to say that they're going to hell. We try to say this. We try to say that. We try to say how they're not right with God. We try to say, you know, all, all of these things. We try to say, we try to say all of those things without considering our own shortcomings, without considering our own faults. We belittle what we do. And we magnify what others do. We belittle what we do and then we magnify what others do. Look at Proverbs chapter 31. So we should not speak evil things of others, though they might be true. So let's, let's say that. It might be true. The things that they are doing and the thoughts that you are having of them, they might be true. In the sense that they are doing wrong. Right? They might be true. But unless we are instructed, or we're talking about judging, right? Judging, not examining. We're talking about judging. Unless we are instructed or led, because it, in, in, in judging, that, that requires you to say something. It requires you to say something. So unless you are instructed or led or called to do so, which there might be a necessary occasion for you to do it. Listen to what I'm saying closely. Unless you are instructed, unless you are led to go to them with certain things, then you should not do it. That's, this is the reason why God talks about loving, loving God first, and then loving our neighbors as ourselves. Now, this, now, because I did not say that we should not go to them. I did not say that. I didn't say that. I said that we should be careful 
in how we approach. We should be careful in being led to approach. We should be careful in all of those things. In all of your ways, you need to acknowledge God. And he will what? Direct your path. He will direct you on how to say, when to say, and if to say. He will do the directing. Proverbs chapter 31. Let's look at this. And we know that, you know, this scripture is, 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 is talking about, is talking about the virtuous woman, but guess what? In this, we can all glean. I don't care if you man, woman, boy, or girl. You can all, we can all glean from this. This is to be the attitude of every believer. Not just a virtuous woman, the attitude of every believer. And so Proverbs 31. Let's look at verse 26. Proverbs 31. I'm in chapter 26. 31 and 26. And the scripture reads, She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Again, this is not just about the virtuous woman. This is an attitude. This is a character trait that every believer should have. We should all be opening our mouth with wisdom. And in our tongues shall be the law of kindness. It should be the law of kindness. We are sisters and brothers and we should not defile or defame one another. We shouldn't take pleasure. You should not take pleasure in exposing in exposing and making known the faults of others. That should not that should not be something that you enjoy doing. That should not be something that you enjoy doing. You should not enjoy exposing or having to expose the known faults of others. The known faults we're going to get into the unknown faults or what you perceive to be. But we're talking about the known faults. You should not take pleasure in exposing and making known the faults, the known faults, the known sins of others. Again, there's a way to approach it, but what we're talking about is judging, judging, speaking out. And we're talking about we shouldn't, we shouldn't make more of their known faults. We shouldn't harp on them. You shouldn't make you shouldn't uh, 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 make more of their known faults than what is required. If you have to say something to them, say something to them. If you have to say something to them. See, when we judge others, a lot of times when we're judging others, we're not even going to that person necessarily. When we're judging others, we're talking about them behind their backs. We're talking about them to our friends. We're talking about them to another sister or another brother. We're We're talking about them to our families. Oh, yes, I know. I knew. I knew it would be quiet. I knew it would be quiet. I can even hear your quietness through, through the screen. I can hear, I can even hear your quietness. When we judge others, just like the judge in the courtroom, he's saying something. And he's proclaiming it. He's not just proclaiming it. He, he, don't, he don't pull that person to the side. He don't take him in the chamber and say, this is, look, that you are guilty of this, this, that, and the other, and this is your sentence. He doesn't do that. He says it. He proclaims it to everybody in the room. And then they proclaim it on TV because you got TV cameras, you got, depending on the case, right? They putting it on YouTube. They do it. They do it. They broadcast. They are making known the fault. They want to make it known. They want everybody in the world to know. That is not the attitude that we should have as believers. That is not the attitude. Listen. Would you? Do you want? Do you want God? 
to expose and make known your thoughts to everybody out loud? Do you want God to share your thoughts? Your known sense to him, although they may not be known to me. Those thoughts that are known to God, do you want him broadcasting? Do you want him talking to his family about it at the table? Do you want him, you know, if he had a, if he had a spouse, talking about it with his spouse in the bed, you know, at night, that you know, what, what they call it, pillow talk. Well, it's not really pillow talk, but, but you know, you laying your head on the pillow and you're talking about it. Would you want that same treatment from God? No, we don't. But these are the types of attitudes and these are the things that we do. And that's why God is said, he says, listen, he says, I need your, just like he brought, just, just like they brought the woman, the Pharisees, they brought the woman who was caught in adultery. Known, okay, a known sin, a known fault. They brought her to him. And basically, they wanted him to just lay it out flat right there. Just give it to her. Give it to her. In front of us, in front of everybody. Who else is listening? Anybody else? Wherever he he was, just give it to her. Except our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. That's what the scripture says. Our righteousness has to exceed that. And that's not righteous at all. That's pure down malice. It's malice. That's nastiness. That's trying to cover your stuff up with somebody else's stuff to make their stuff known. Then they, the people won't. They may, if we do that, then maybe they won't look at me. They won't examine me. Because surely she can't be doing something wrong. I mean, she's pointing out. She's pointing out the faults of others. So surely she got her stuff together. You would think. But that's not how we operate. That is not how we operate. Catch this. In verse 11. James. Go back to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I want you to catch this because this is good. 4 and 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? When you defame, you damage defaming. That means you, you're, you damage the reputation of, the character of, the good name of someone because of lies. Or even, it could be lies, or even exposing and spreading their faults. When you defame your neighbor, your detracting tongue, it diminishes and it reduces their worth. When you defame someone, whether it's truth, and so you know sometimes somebody says, sometimes we can we can take little things that we hear, we have we haven't examined it ourselves. We're taking somebody else's word because they heard, they saw, and we take that and then we spread that. We talk to her about it with our friends. We talk to her about it with our spouses. We talk to her about it with our family. We spread that. So whether it's true or whether it's untrue, you defame that person. You detract. You're detracting time. It diminishes their worth and their value. It diminishes their worth and their value. In the eyes of people, in your own eyes, it diminishes their value and their worth. And it can add distraction or cause a diversion from what is most needful for them. 
You're defaming a person's character. You're destroying their reputation. Now that's what they're thinking about. They're only thinking about, oh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody, you know, here. That, that, that's, what they, that's what they're concentrating on. Instead of concentrating on repentance. Instead of concentrating on making whatever is right, wrong, right. Their, their, their mind is not on that because now you have put them in a place to be devalued. You have put them in the place to want to and have to defend themselves. All because of your tongue. All because you didn't open your mouth with words of wisdom. All because of your tongue. It is the goodness of the Lord that brings men to repentance. That means that in our examination... In our times, or in the times when we have to go to our brothers and sisters who are taken in the fall. And that's why I said, those who are spiritual. Don't forget that. Don't forget, don't forget the teachers that you have. Those who are spiritual, you need to be the ones to go to help restore your brother. If you're not spiritual and you're carnal with these types of hypocritical and these type of judgmental attitudes, you're not the one. You are not the one. God is not, listen, God is not sending you. You are not the one. That's not spiritual. To be spiritual, you have to do the things according to the spirit of the living God. That's what makes it spiritual. Because you are connected to the source of life. You are connected to, to the, the, the enabling of the Holy Ghost by, by way of Jesus Christ. You are connected to that. That makes it spiritual. So everything that I do must come through. Everything that I do, everything that I say, all of my deeds, all of my actions, all of my motivations must come through my love for God and my love for his people. His righteousness and His hope, that, that spirituality, that is the place that it needs to come from. We won't go there, but I love it, and I love this teaching that our pastor has, has started on on Sundays. I love it. And you've gotten the taste. You know, those of you who are in ministry class, you know, that made me kind of miss ministry class at that point. Because she started talking about some things, things that our pastor would, our, our founding pastor would do. So she, but she's kind of, I'm, I'm, I was about to say dumbing it down. She's not really dumbing it down, but she's making it plain and she's making it simple. Because we got it a little bit harder. We got it a little bit stronger in, 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 in uh, ministry class. But, but what she is doing is that she's making it elementary style. So that you can grasp the whole thing. So I love that. So, so it, in the spirit, so in the spirit of that. And I love that. I think I told you all this before. But I like to be able to, to find a scripture in the Old Testament and, and, and find this parallel in the New Testament. That brings me joy. I like to see that. Because that shows, that shows uh, just evidence. Just evidence. That God's word, it transcends time. I love that. God's word transcends time. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It just boosts that. It just encourages that. It just supports that. So, and, and you can write it down because we're not going to go there. But in, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter uh, 19, verse 16, that is the parallel to what we read here in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1. And the bottom line is, is that it's the sum and the substance of both of those is that men should love one another. And a detracting tongue that condemns the law of God and the commandment of Christ and defames its neighbor. A detracting tongue. It condemns the law of God and the commandment of Christ and defames its neighbor. Neighbor, That detractor, remember I told we add to it. We take away from it in that judging. That's why it says do not judge. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 16. Go back and read it. And read it in parallel to Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. So sometimes we treat the commandments of God like they are our own. As if we gave them. Part of judging. We, we sometimes treat the commandments of God as if they are our own. And not from him, but they are from us. This is what I'm saying. 
Thus said Sister Simpson. No. It's thus said the Lord. But sometimes our attitude, we treat it as if it's ours. Judging. That's that judgmental attitude. As if we gave it. As if we need to make sure that it's enforced. <laughs> the commandments of God. We're supposed to make sure that it's enforced. That's the attitude that we have. We determine who sinned against them or obeyed the commandments. And we pass judgment on what their final destination will be. Listen, I say we cannot add to, we can't take away from the commandments that Jesus has set. We can't set up additional rules based on our own opinions and preferences. That's judging the law. It's not good enough. My opinion. I have to insert my opinion in here. I have to insert my preference in here. To the commandments of God. We do that. We cannot make the commandments of God say what we want them to say. <laughs> you can't make them say what you want them to say. You can't... You, the, God does not leave interpreting his commandments to you. That's why you've got to be connected to the Spirit of God. He's not leaving that interpretation to you or me. We don't possess the power to give commands, nor do we possess the power to bind the consciousness of men when they hear the commands. We don't, we don't possess. God alone can turn and change the hearts of men. Only God can do that. We do not have the power to determine the weight of the commandments of God. <laughs> you know, we try to assign, people try to assign the weights of the commandments. Well, this is heavy. But, you know, this one is, you know, that one's a little, and it's usually the one that, that we're doing that we say, you know, that's, that one's that. But, but the, this one on this side, what this person is doing, oh, that's the weightier one. That's the weightier one. We don't have the power to determine the weight of God's commands. We don't possess that power. God is the lawgiver and Jesus gives the commands. God is the lawgiver. Did you hear that? God is the lawgiver. And now he says that he teaches us by Christ. In Hebrews he talks about that. God is the lawgiver and Jesus gives the commands. Jesus is the only one that has the power to enforce them by the aid of the Holy Ghost. By the aid of the Holy Ghost. He is able to enforce his commands on the hearts of people by changing the hearts of people, by influencing the hearts of people. Jesus alone has the power to change the hearts of men by the aid of the Holy Ghost. And he alone reserves the power to pass the final judgment and the final sentencing on men. He can all, he's the only one that can do it. We cannot forget our place. We cannot forget our purpose. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of judgment. He's not given us the judgment seat of Christ. He's not, that's not ours. That's not your place. We cannot assume an office that only belongs to God. We cannot assume an office that only belongs to him. We cannot be presumptuous. Arrogant, disrespectful, and transgressing the limits of what is permitted to us. Because when you do, if you do, you will suffer for it in the end. You will suffer for it in the end. Hypocritical. Look at look at verse. Go back to Matthew chapter five. Let's look at verse three. Matthew 5. Let's look at verse 3. I said I was not going to review long. I said that. Matthew 5. I mean Matthew 7. I'm sorry. Matthew 7 verse 3. Do I want to start there? No, I think we covered that. But no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Keep your ribbon in Matthew. Let's turn to 2 Samuel. Yeah, 2 Samuel chapter 12. So last week we talked about uh, um, being hypocritical, making your sin appear smaller than someone else's. We talked about um, making 
irrelevant things relevant, turning it, you know, a mountain into a molehill. We talked about that. We talked about we talked about making the outer man more important than the inner man. What can be seen? Talked about that. In Second Samuel chapter twelve, let's look at this example that we can pit, pull from from David. Second Samuel chapter twelve, a very familiar passage of scripture. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. So we know this is after David had committed his transgression with Bathsheba and all the other things that came along with that that he did afterwards to cover up what he had done. And verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat his own meat, and drank his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing. And because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. And this was coming from the Lord. And so here we see the judging that David did. Forget about the being that was in his own eye. But look at what he was talking about with this man. He judged. He said it out loud. He said it to Nathan. Not only did he say it, he interpreted what was supposed to be going on, and he did the judging, the sentencing. He did all of that. He did all of that. He said what? Surely. In verse 5, the man that doeth this thing shall surely die. All of that right there. Oftentimes our hypocrisy is almost more evident to others than it is to ourselves. Your hypocrisy is more evident to others than it is to ourselves. Jesus didn't say it was wrong for you to help your brother or sister with the speck, the small thing that's in their, in, in their eye. But it's a good thing, that's a good thing to do. But he's saying here that not before, you should not do that before you deal with the plank, the huge thing that is on your own eye. David, David, he didn't even consider. He wasn't even thinking about what he had done at that moment. He was only thinking about what this person had done in this story. That's the only thing he was thinking about. You must address the sin in your own life before you can discern how to help someone else repent from theirs. You have to address the sin in your own life before you can discern how to help someone, help someone else repent from theirs. What is discernment? Let's take a minute. What is discernment? True discernment means not only distinguishing between right and wrong, but discernment means distinguishing the primary from the secondary. Discernment. It means distinguishing Right and wrong, yes, but it also means distinguishing the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent. What's essential? What's indifferent? It's discerning, discerning, distinguishing the permanent from the transient. Catch that. The transient from the permanent. What's going to cause permanent damage? What might cause transient damage? You know, it's going to pass away. But what's going to be eternal? 
，我死了没钱了。The good, discerning, distinguishing the good and the better. Distinguishing the good and the better. Distinguishing even the better from the best. Distinguishing the better from the best. Listen, let me give you a prime example. This right here. Distinguishing the primary from the secondary, discernment. Distinguishing the essential from the indifferent. Distinguishing the permanent from the transient. The good from the better, and the better from the best. So you're ministering to someone about going to church. They stop coming. You know they don't come. They have come. You see them two or three Sundays. Then you don't see them two or three Sundays. They're in and out. And then you want to minister to them about their church attendance. What led to that? There has to be something going on that's causing their in and out. That's causing them to come several Sundays and then miss several Sundays. There has to be something that's causing that. But your focus is on them coming to church. That's a good thing. They need to come to church. I'm not saying that at all. The scriptures tell us, "Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves." It says that. But is that the most important at the moment? Discernment. I got to distinguish. What is? I need you to be able to discern, and you can only be able to discern by what the spirit of the living God. Why? Because you don't know the motive. You don't know what's in the heart. You have to ask for discernment. You have to be able to ask God, okay, Lord, I see this is going on. I've examined. Take it to the Lord. I've examined this. This is not like her. This is not like him. This is not a part of what they normally do. I need to be able. I want to be able, Lord. I want you to use me, Lord. Give me, give me what I need. Give me what I need to say. Now He may not give you all the details. He don't need to give you all this. Remember, we, He's not. He's not about exposing others' faults to you. He's not about that. But He'll give you just enough. He'll give you what what needs to be said, not what you want, not what you want to say. He'll give you what needs to be said. By the Spirit of the Living God, that's why it's important. Those who are spiritual, those are the ones. So when you're connected and you're tied to God, when you when you when you have a prayer life, when you are righteous, when you are in right standing with God, when you have dealt with those things that are in your the, your faults, when you've dealt with those things, then, then God has room to work with you to help you with somebody else. Oh, did you get that? When you have, when you have dealt with the things that are in your own life, you've addressed those things that are in your life. Not perfect, not maybe that you not necessarily have gotten rid of all of those things, but your heart is towards working on them. Your heart is towards changing them because God knows our hearts and He knows our motives. He knows what you're willing and what you're going to do and what you're willing to do and what you will get done. So when you have dealt with those things in your life, now he can give you something for somebody else. Because other than that, he's only dealing with you. Trust that. He's only dealing with you. And then once, once you all have dealt with that, once you've allowed God to deal with you about that, then he can give you something to give to somebody else. Then he can impart. When you pray and you're asking God, you know, like, what is it, Lord? What can I do? What can... Then he will impart. Or he will just drop some things into your spirit. He will just, listen, just text them this. Just call them and say that. Just look, take, go get them. Call, get, take them out. Well, maybe not now. Take them out to lunch. Maybe send them a, send them something. You know, he's gonna, he is going to open up those doors. He's gonna give you exactly what it is you need to do. Exactly what it is that you need to say. He's going to give you that to help them, but not before you have dealt with the things that are in your own life.
we got to balance. Psalms 119, turn there quickly. Psalms 119, we're just going to look at one verse right there. Psalms 119, and that one verse that I want to look at is verse 66. 119 and 66, and the scripture reads, Teach me good judgment, discernment. Teach me good discernment, good judgment, and knowledge. For I have believed thy commandments. Teach me. You want discernment. You need. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. That is the ability to distinguish. Lord, teach me the ability to distinguish between and to recognize the implications of different situations and courses of action. Teach me to distinguish between and to recognize the implications of different situations and courses of action. You don't know the heart of men, but if, if you allow God to give you the ability to teach you, you want him to teach you how to distinguish, then he will help you with those different things. He will help you with those implications. Well, well but this is going on, and this is what needs to happen. I know these two things are going on, or this one thing is going on, but I need you to address this and not that. Why? We have to follow God because it, it, he, it's all his doing. Because in your addressing this and he's telling you to address that, it might just might correct this other thing. Oh, did you get that? Listen, if I have to, God is telling, take them out to love. They're, they're struggling. They're struggling with their attendance in church. They're coming and they're going. They're in and they're out. They come two or three and then they leave and then, they, you, then you don't see them for a while. Guess what? They might be struggling with their fellowship with people. They might be struggling with their connection with people. It's not for you to say, why aren't you coming to church? Don't you know you should not forsake the assembly of yourself? God says, might say, no, take them to lunch. Then that's going to show them, oh, somebody cares. Somebody cares. Oh, you know what? My missing church, somebody notices. And somebody cares. That just might be the thing that they need. And then that will help correct the situation. Listen, discernment, the implications of different situations and the courses of action. Give me the discernment. Give me how to distinguish those things. And God will give you exactly what you need. And taking them to lunch, that's what God needs for you to do because he's going to work on their heart to fix that church attendance thing. <laughs> he's going to work. And, and, and God's mind, that church attendance is secondary. In God's mind, that's secondary to what they really need. That's why it's important. That we keep our eyes. That we keep our eyes on God. That's why it's important. That we keep our, our thumb, our finger on the, on the very post of God. That's, that's why that's important. That's why it's important that we stay with the Holy Ghost. That's why it's important. It supersedes anything that you think. It supersedes anything that you can conjure up. It supersedes your perceptions of things. It supersedes you, you trying to interpret the law. And trying to determine what someone else's fate is going to be. It's, 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 not about, it's not about you. You are taking, trying to take a position that does not belong to you. You just do what God, you stay tuned in and connected to him and allow him to direct your path. That's what you do. We got to balance. Now, now. In these last few minutes, we're going we're gonna to start this. Verse 6. Go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Matthew 7, verse 6. Let's look at this. Give not. He's taking a little turn here. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. 
So here he's taking a slight, a slight turn on the matter of attempting to help others out of their sinful state or out of their, their fault. So we've already established that, that in examining others and in correcting others, we must do that out of love. That must be our motivating factor. Love for God, because we desire to be about his business, the business of the ministry of reconciliation. I love God. This is my purpose. This is part of what he has me to do. So I want to be about his business. I want to be about saving souls. I want to be about, I want to be about his business, my father's business, just like Jesus was. And, and then I'm supposed to love my brothers and my sisters and out of the love for my brothers and sisters because I desire that they submit to God and win in life. That's my motivation. Not to expose them, not to, I just want them, I just want them to be right with God. I want them to submit their lives to God, and I want them to win in life. Not to submit to me, not the things that I think that they should be doing, but submitting to the very will and the word of God. That's what I want. So that they can win in life. Not only do I want to see them on the other side. I want to be able to greet them when we get to heaven. I do. I, I want that too. But I want them to be able to win in life. I want to see them progress, and I want to see them. To, uh, I want to. I want to see them uh, 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 be successful in life. So that's my motivation, my love, and that's why we correct. That's why we examine and we correct because we want to see. Out of our love for God and our love for them, we want to see them in that place. But yet, in our love, in our attempt to do that, here we go. In our love, in our attempt to do just that, we must be able to discern, go back to discern, by the words and the actions of others if they are listening and hearing with the intent to comply. That's another discernment. You've got to be able to discern. You have to be able to distinguish the primary from the secondary. Oh, I'm giving them this word. But, but, but by their actions, by their actions, I'm seeing something different. They may come to me or not. They may come to me for some godly counsel. I give them godly counsel. And then what are they doing with it? Their actions, I'm examining just examining, their actions are showing me that what I'm telling them is going in one ear, not the other. I don't even see an attempt to. It's one thing, it's one thing to, listen, there's some people, there's some people that you labor with. And then there's just some people that you labor for. You've got to be able to discern that. There's some people that you labor with. That means that, that, means that they, they're, they're, they're putting forth the effort. They're not going to be right. No, and none of, us, we get, none of us get it right the first two or three, twenty, a hundred times. But you see they're making effort. You labor with them. You labor with them because they're putting forth the effort. But then you have those you can tell. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh, you're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. They're listening. They're hearing. I'm not going to say they're listening. They're hearing what you say. But there is no intent. And you can see it. Examine. You can see it by their actions that they're not willing. You can see it by their actions. I'm listening to, I, I, I'm listening, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not doing any of that. That's just too much. No, it don't take all of that. No, you telling me, okay, so I, I've come to you and I tell you, tell you that I'm struggling with ABC. You tell me, okay, this is how you get out of ABC. This is, this is the road you turn. First, you need to turn away. You need to disconnect. You need to change your associations. You got, they're not doing none of that. You still see them hanging with the same people. You still see them do this. You still hear them talk about that. But they're still coming to you. I'm struggling. And you tell them what to do. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But you still see them do. At some point, see, they're not even trying. They're not putting forth any effort. You don't labor with that. 
That's giving what you have to dogs. Why? Because this, listen, this 39 seconds. We're going to come back to this. But listen to this real quick. Listen to this real quick. Dogs, what do dogs do? They vomit and they go back to their same stuff. They go back and eat that mess. Pigs, they waddle in dirt. They look for dirt and mud to waddle in. That's why the scripture says don't give what is holy to dogs because they return. They're just going to return. You tell them to vomit it up. They say they vomit it up. They're going to go back and lick it up. The swine, they go back to that same dirt. You try to tell them what to do and they go back to that same dirt. That same mud. Keep that in mind. I'm out of time. But God is so faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.